Hi, I'm Brian Levy. I'm a partner at Manchester Living and the host of the Manchester Living Podcast. The purpose of the podcast is to help people navigate the complex maze of elder care. There's a lexicon on our website at manchesterliving.com of elder care terms. I'd like to start today's show with a new and noteworthy uh, a topic that's been in the news lately is guardianship, most specifically related to Britney Spears and her unfortunate situation. So we'll roll the clip. She no longer wants to be a slave for you. In explosive court testimony, Britney Spears called her conservatorship abusive and said she wants her life back. The pop star's father, Jamie Spears, has been in control of her personal and business affairs since 2008 when the order was granted after Spears suffered a mental health crisis. In a 20-minute emotional plea, Spears dropped a number of bombshells. She says she's being prevented from having a contraceptive implant removed and is being forced to take medications against her will. She let us know that she feels like a slave to the team. She let us know that she's tired of being exploited. She let us know that they control her medicine. Everything that we've been thinking they control if she's going to have a baby, if she's going to get married, which are both things that she expressed that she is looking to do. Outside the courthouse, loyal fans and members of the Free Britney movement gathered to show their support. From the start, they believed the singer was being forced to stay in the conservatorship against her wishes. They say Spears' testimony proves they've been right all along. I think it changes a lot. It confirms for everyone who called this conspiracy theory that this is not a conspiracy theory, that this is real, and that the woman herself wants out of it, and that she should be given that autonomy. Her unusually long conservatorship came under renewed scrutiny following February's release of the documentary Framing Britney Spears, which in part chronicled her mental health battles. Well, there's that. It's a double-edged sword, and all I can say is plan ahead and plan carefully. It's an unfortunate situation. Um, on that note, let's jump in today. I'm excited to have my guest talking about guardianship. Chris Clemmy runs the Dallas Trust Department of Happy State Bank, and Lindsay Howell is the owner of Legacy Guardianship. What a topic. Let's, uh, let's get right to it. Lindsay, what is guardianship? Guardianship is a legal process for providing protection to someone who has a significant disability like Alzheimer's, dementia, traumatic brain injury. So why not a family member? Sometimes there are family member guardians, and okay. that's really preferable. The court wants to see that. The court wants to see family members serving as guardian. What I see a lot of is family members who are too overwhelmed by the complexity of their loved one's care. They simply can't do it um, because there's too many moving parts or the family dynamics are too difficult. Then we also see situations where there's too much uh, sibling rivalry, family members can't get along, and they needed unbiased third party to just kind of step in and navigate those care decisions for them. That's when you bring in the professionals. Yes. Got it. What are the two different types of guardians of legal guardianship in Texas? There's guardianship of the person and there's guardianship of the estate. Guardianship of the person deals with uh, medical needs, placement needs, personal care, caregiving services. Guardianship of the estate deals with money and property. Money and property, speaking of Happy State Bank. Yeah. <laughs> Let's bring in the, the lawyer and banker here. You bet. Well, and where we serve in many cases is a substitute for the guardian of the estate, which is uh, serving as a management trustee, which is another 
uh, form or alternative to guardianship, a little less cumbersome than a guardian of the estate, where uh, a corporate fiduciary, an institution, manages the money uh, for the benefit of the disabled individual. We're often brought in, Brian, either in two situations. One is family discord. Uh, the, the kids are not getting along. Maybe one of the kids has been abusing the finances. Uh, and so as part of the resolution of that argument, uh, they bring a bank in to manage the finances. Uh, the second area can be just a, a situation people don't think about, which is if you have a fairly wealthy individual that becomes incapacitated, their children may not have a net worth of sufficient size that they can get and receive what's called a surety bond, which is kind of a form of almost malpractice insurance in the guardianship of the estate. And so anything like just a poor credit record, filing for bankruptcy once, or just not having that net worth will disqualify that individual from being able to get a bond. And if they can't get the bond, they need somebody else to come in. And that's where we come into play. So when I hear guardianship, I always think of money. Do people without money need guardians? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Walk me through that. So, you know, we again see a variety of situations. Usually the number or the number one situation where you see it, where somebody doesn't have a lot of money is somebody that maybe doesn't have family in the area or anywhere close. They're, they're by themselves. Uh, and no one can make the decisions for them in terms of their medical care, in terms of where they live. These are the situations you sometimes read about or that people recognize in their neighborhood of that elderly widow or widower that uh, has no children. Uh, they've lost their spouse. You see them deteriorating. You see them walking around the neighborhood in kind of a fog. They maybe are living on nothing more than secure Social Security, and that's mm -hmm. it. Uh, but they're sitting there in a vacuum and, and have uh, are, are deteriorating in part because they're not capable of making the decision to go to the doctor anymore. Right. So how does somebody initiate guardianship and who would do that? So in that particular circumstance, uh, there's a variety of things. One is uh, you can always call the probate courts if you live in a county like Dallas County, Collin County, Tarrant, where it's sizable and you, the probate court has an investigative unit and you just call them up and indicate that you are concerned about an individual, here's their name, here's their address, and they will send an investigator out to start the process. Is that a wellness check or is that initiating the process? It's, it's actually a little bit of both. It's called a community referral. It used to be a 683 referral to the probate court, but now it's called a community referral to the probate court. So give me an example of I have a neighbor, I know she's living alone, she's chain smoking, she's not getting out of the house much, she's elderly, I mean, doesn't have a lot of family or doesn't have any family, would that be a guardianship? Give me an example of a, an, a situation where as a neighbor or a friend or someone in their, in their relation, in their friendship would initiate a guardianship. Yeah, I, really, the, the example you gave is a, is a perfect one, or, or you, you see that individual that you know nobody's taking care of themselves, and you're noticing that they, they, they're maybe not eating, they're not getting out of the house. Uh, you, you see that, and so you just make that call to the court uh, and report those facts, and that will get the process going with that initial So visit. it's automatic after that call. Yes. And I've okay. seen it in multiple cases where people were 
found walking in the community getting lost or people that were pulled over repeatedly because they were driving and they were getting lost. They didn't remember how to go home. Police officers were having to look at their driver's license to get them home. And then those are the individuals that bring that to the attention of the court. Interesting. Okay. What are the legal proceedings with regards to um, establishing guardianship? Well, so uh, there's a variety of things that happen. It's, it, it's a bit of a cumbersome process, but for good reason, because you're essentially taking away the individual rights of somebody. So, uh, you know, the, the process is initiated ultimately by an application for guardianship. Uh, it details the facts uh, behind the person's incapacity. Usually there's gonna be a phys physician's letter that's attached to that where there's been certification of the examination and that the person is incapacitated. You'll usually plead that there have been recurring instances uh, in the last six months, not just an isolated incident, but recurring instances that would reflect the potential incapacity of the, the person. You'd lay out family members as a possibility. If there are no family members under the code that could, uh, uh, could, could step in, you would ask the court to appoint a third party guardian, somebody like Lindsay uh, that is a professional, but that's how the process starts. And then in turn, the court will appoint what's known as an attorney ad litem to represent the interests of the proposed ward, which is what we call the individual that would become subject to guardianship. And that attorney ad litem's role is not only to represent the, the interests of that individual, but also to make sure that guardianship truly is appropriate in that circumstance. Are there ways to avoid guardianship? Yeah, the primary way for certain is to have good up-to-date estate planning documents. And we're not just talking about a will. People think about wills all the time just from the standpoint of, okay, I've got to do something about myself when I die. But what they don't think about the fact is that statistically 60 to 70% of us become incapacitated before we die. So we need somebody to be able to step in and to make decisions for us from a healthcare standpoint, as well as make decisions on our finances that are trusted. And so as part of that process, you uh, appoint somebody under a durable power of attorney to manage the finances, which can spring into effect upon incapacity. And then you also designate somebody to hold your medical power of attorney to be able to make life care decisions for you when you're unable to do so. Interesting. I featured um, that movie, I Care A Lot, on the podcast recently. You all have seen that movie? Right. Um, it, that, that's, a, that's a very interesting scenario, and it happens. I mean, that's, that's real life. Um, how do you deal with situations like that? What, are, what, what uh, stops do you have in place to, uh, to make sure that doesn't happen to your clients? Yeah, well, you know, the one thing about that movie that's that's a little bit unrealistic is is it doesn't show the process courts have to to be that safety net to make sure that somebody like the Rosamund Pike character yeah. is not taking advantage of people. So uh, one of the things that the guardian of the estate would have to do, it, which she was in that case managing money, is she's got to do an accounting every year. And she's got right. to detail how she is using the money uh, on behalf of the ward uh, for the entire year. In turn, whatever fee that guardian is going to receive is usually not going to be paid to them until the court has reviewed their work and their time and has maybe even cross-examined that guardian and then will award 
whatever fee may be appropriate in that. Glad case. there was a little Hollywood spin to that. So it's yeah. not so realistic, right? Right. So let's address mental illness. There's a gray area with regards to guardianship. Lindsay, you want to speak to that? Yes. I think the main reason that the probate courts are reluctant to give people with mental illness a guardian is that most mental illnesses can be managed properly with medication, therapy. So it's not permanent. It's not a permanent disabling condition hypothetically. So nobody wants to give a permanent guardian to a person who could potentially recover. I had a, a, a client recently who was a very, very wealthy woman and her kids were terrified of her because they wanted the inheritance. And she was clearly not taking care of herself. Um, seemed like the ideal candidate for a guardianship. And uh, unfortunately, sh she was left alone and had a stroke and, and, and died. Um, but that was a scenario where if the kids aren't going to do it, the court should. Yeah, well, and that, it, that really speaks to, to something that we see all the time, which is the struggle of the kids. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've lived it personally with my own mother and father is, you know, so many of us, when we talk to our parents, you don't want to put them in the quote unquote home. Right. You, you, you promised me it. you'd never put yeah, me in a home. In exactly. A home. Yeah. And so a lot of kids in adulthood, very sophisticated individuals, are just totally paralyzed by that promise that they made, that heartfelt promise that I will never put you in a home. I will never have somebody else take care of you. We will take care of you. And so many of us are really not equipped to do that. And there's got to be a point, and it's difficult for us all to be able to recognize that, hey, my mom or dad can't make that call anymore. There is something going on physiologically, psychologically, where they cannot make that call rationally anymore. So I have to step in to do it. And yes, unfortunately, they may get angry at me. They even may, uh, you know, block me or lock me out for a little while in their life, but it's the right That's thing the to do right to make to sure they're taking care of. And in addition to that, I think it's so unfortunate that adult kids feel that, you know, they, they want to do right by their parents, but also it's the, it's, um, it's money related. And it, it, inheritance is a common theme that comes up where it's like, it's not about which child is the favorite. It's not about the money. It's about doing the right thing for your parents. Um, it's, that's the frustrating part of my job is to hear, hear those stories. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, back when I was in private practice, before I went to the bank side, I had a client that came to me in part because her mother, who actually lived in the same neighborhood that, that I did, she had taken her mother to the hospital and the doctor at the hospital was so appalled by the condition of the mother and said, look, if you don't put her into a nursing facility within the next 48 hours, I'm calling Adult Protective Services mm -hmm. on you. And all this individual was doing, all the daughter was doing was trying to maintain that promise to honor the mother's wishes, but had lost control of being able to manage the situation to the point where a physician doing their job and their ethical obligation said, you're, you're either gonna straighten this out or we're gonna have or to do it for you. And I think one of the most heartbreaking situations I see are when a parent had a long time mental illness, like mom was always bipolar, mom was always schizophrenic, and then she develops dementia or Alzheimer's, and then the kids are that much more hindered in providing care, right? It was already hard. They already had a strained relationship with mom, and then mom de develops dementia or Alzheimer's, and they, they just can't. How does one get out of the system? 
how did they get they're they have a guardian it's like use the britney spears example sorry for the the pop culture re reference but how, do, how does how does britney get out of this how does how, do, how does a client who is has a guardian like our common client how does she get out of that system well, you can restore someone's rights or you can terminate a guardianship. You can terminate a guardianship if it's proven to be ineffective. If the guardianship is not actually working, it's not actually protecting this individual, you can just terminate the guardianship. A restoration is more like when a person has made a recovery. When we see people with traumatic brain injuries that exceed all of our expectations and are living better, um, you have to have medical evidence to support that, but you can restore a person's rights and then the guardianship's over. Okay. All right. Lindsay, what haven't I asked you that I should? It's a great question. Um, favorite types of cases. Do it. My favorite types of cases. My favorite cases are the ones, like I described earlier, where the children are at their wits ends, where they don't feel like they can manage their parents' care and all they want to do is have a relationship with their family members. I can step in, be the bad guy, manage care, make hard decisions, with the input and the collaboration of the children, and that takes the burden off of them. So when I see these family members that all of a sudden can just focus on being the daughter, loving their parent, having a good relationship with them, that absolutely fills my cup. That makes me feel good. That's gratifying. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Thanks. Chris, what haven't I asked you that I should? I think just other options that uh, can be used to help prevent guardianship and, and support the family. And I know one area, even whether we're managing a court, uh, a court created trust or a trust that was already in existence for an individual and are working with the family, the one other area that we are able to provide some support is to often retain a case manager that has experience not only in the medical field, but can navigate public benefits, can navigate other resources that can enhance the quality uh, of our client's life, maybe their educational programs, maybe their therapy programs that most of us aren't aware of, but because there are professionals in this area, some of them that you've had on your previous podcast, they can do that work. And so uh, I really enjoy from our standpoint, being able to tell the family, look, our ultimate job is for you to be able to just love on your mother and father. We're gonna try to do our best to take everything else where all the nuts and bolts, you still have a say, you still have input, you can pull the plug on this case manager and that's fine, but you can just focus on what they really want, which is just love and attention and not worrying about the finances and not worrying about all the mechanics of what goes on because it's just an incredibly time-consuming aspect great thank you thank you for sharing that on to the nugget portion of the program i saw this clip um last week on the interwebs and i wanted to share it with you so if you'd roll the tape That gives a new meaning to staying alive. I love it. Keep cutting a rug, my friend. All right, on to the lightning round. There's an opportunity for the viewers to really get to know you guys. Are you ready? Lindsay, where were you born and raised? Duncanville, Texas. Oh, wow. Chris? 
Born in Monroe, Louisiana, raised in Evan, Oklahoma. Can't tell by the accent. <laughs> Where'd you go to college? TCU and UNT. Human Services, Rehabilitation, Criminal Justice degrees. Oh, mercy. Yeah, Austin College had a BA in Political Science. Can you write in cursive? Yes. Uh, I still can. It's a typical lawyer, indiscernible. Wonderful. Ever lived abroad? No. No. Adrenaline junkie? Hell no. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Says the woman who had childbirth at home. <laughs> really? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Shot a gun? Yes. Yes. Dream car? DeLorean. Uh, I'm just not a car guy. <laughs> That's fine. Favorite ice cream? Cookies and cream. Okay. Cookies and cream. Wow. Favorite sport to watch or play? I don't watch sports. Golf. iPhone or Android? iPhone. Favorite movie? Apocalypse Now. Field of Dreams. Oh, good one, good one. Thank you both for being on the show today. I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedules, including the new mom. Um, Thank you. Give the viewers a, an easy way to reach you if they have any follow-up questions or need your services. Go ahead, Lindsay. You can go to my website, LegacyGuardianship.com. Great. Chris? Yeah, they can go to HappyTrust.com. Wonderful. Thank you for watching today. If you are interested in seeing this episode um, or any other episodes, you can look us up on Manchester Living Podcast on Facebook, on YouTube, and on iTunes. If there's anything I can ever do for you, don't go back to Google. Just call me directly. Thanks so much.